Welcome to Verdant North. On this episode, Dan Hudson and Caroline Hallstrom chat with gardener extraordinaire Jane Perone. If we don't know Jane Perone, she has a podcast called On the Ledge, which focuses largely on indoor gardening. She has also written for a number of gardening publications and was a reporter for The Guardian. You can listen to her show, read her blog, and find out more about her at janeperone.com. That's Jane, P-E-R-R-O-N-E.com. So grab a nice beverage, throw in your earbuds, and get some yard work done while listening to this wonderful discussion with Jane Perone. Hey, everybody. We're here recording uh, on the internet with Jane Perone from On the Ledge, the podcast all about houseplants. Uh, I really love listening to your podcast, by the way, Jane. It's it's so good, and you always pick cool music for it. So, I Is it just because you love the sound of my English voice? Um, <laughs> because you know what? I've, I've, I do worry about that when Amer- a lot of American uh, – my listeners are Americans, and I do sometimes worry that they're just listening to the sound of my voice. You just like me for my voice. <laughs> Because I do, I lived in America for a while, and I guess it when it was the Deep South, so there weren't many English people about. Mm-hmm. But I remember then I could say anything to people, and they just wouldn't they wouldn't be listening to a word I said. They'd just be listening to how I said it. So I sometimes wonder whether it's just that people just want to hear me saying those Latin names in an English accent. But hey, who cares? <laughs> hey, play it, play it up. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. I have. Uh, eternally girlish voice I'm working with over here and I don't have the the benefit of a super cute accent so if I was you I wouldn't complain about that <laughs> no, it's definitely something to absolutely max up and I have been told by Americans that they immediately add 10 IQ points onto your IQ when they hear an English accent so you just sound super brainy so that's great you know there's lots of drawbacks to being English but you know that is a big plus uh, so yeah that's great <laughs> no, I, I love doing the podcast and Thank you for complimenting the music. I do try to make the music a little bit interesting uh, and different. And it, it's it's a challenge. And But it tends to be stuff that I kind of like and that isn't too polished. I think it probably comes across that the podcast is a little bit unpolished. And I kind of like the the music to reflect that in a way. Have Have you heard my podcast yet, Jamie? <laughs> Your podcast sounds so <laughs> polished. <laughs> Well, that's that's podcasting for you. I mean, we're all, you know, we're all trying to, you know, fit this in around other lives. And, and uh, you know, it's it's a real um, learning curve for us all. So, yeah, it's 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 good. I think people, you know, when I when I first started out, somebody, a friend of mine who is a professional in this field in radio said to me, look, you know, don't worry about editing yourself into infinity because actually people want to hear that you've got a real voice and that you're not a smooth kind of you know automaton so yeah that's that makes me try to be as normal and me as possible and you know houseplants are very me <laughs> as anyone who knows me will say you know I, I i i will rabbit on about houseplants forever so this this podcast really does come from the heart i get it i love it I take advantage of it too. So I was like, oh my God, Dan, you got to hear this one. La la la. So I don't know, especially, I mean, in the United States, you know, there's something crazy in the news every single day and it gets, it gets emotionally exhausting. So it's nice to have a reprieve, um, by listening to something that matches a lot of my passions and is, you know, like a nice little half hour break from, you know, reality. So that's well, what... tell me about it. Combination of you know, like Donald Trump and Brexit over here. Oh it's no! Just like, <laughs> I won't. It's it's a cluster something. I won't use that word. I don't know if you're you are oh, swearing. You, anyway, you it's, totally it's can. We we beep all. those out. So feel free to let them fly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So it's 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 yeah, there's a lot of depressing stuff out there, isn't there? And so it's just nice to sit and talk about plants. And you know, even when things go wrong with house plants, you can kind of laugh about it. And it, and at the end of the day, it's only a plant. You know, it's right. you can always get another one. Uh, although I have to say, I did just was sent a website recently of some uh, succulents. And I sort of looked thought, oh, I'll just go and look at that website and see what they're selling. And uh, the first succulent i looked at was about 700 dollars, and i thought oh okay oh my gosh (laughs) i don't think i'm i don't think that's i'm in that league yet but um Mm. yeah so not every plant but you know most house plants it's it's only a plant and if it dies you can it's an excuse to buy another one uh and it's it's fun 
and anyone can have a go. Yeah, right, I so that's I totally agree. We try to we try to mention a lot that it's okay to kill plants. Um, and that's part of your learning how your microclimate is in your yard or how your sunlight and humidity are in different rooms of your house. Like that's super common. And anybody who has a lot of house plants has murdered many house plants. Um, and you shouldn't feel like uh, a failure. Sometimes, you know, people get really worked up like, oh, I've killed the same plant three times. And it's like, well, first of all, let's try a different plant. And second of all, did you water it like, or did you completely forget? Like, let's figure <laughs> yeah, out why. Exactly. So. I mean, I've just started a hashtag, half dead houseplants. I heard that. That's I was, a, so that's a new, my new hashtag that I'm working I've got on. Some Saint, I've got some sad St. Paulius that I should post for you. I have, because yeah. I'm fighting. We've all got them. We've all got them. I know, actually, somebody said, well, we need another hashtag, which is dead houseplants. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and we need that too, because it does get that far. So, people, yeah, I people think are that's like, good. oh, I got a Often, on social media, we just see these amazing sort of um, curated, yeah, you know, yeah, very, very like amazing interior, urban jungle interiors, which kind of depressing for those of us who have plants that are failing. And of course, you know, oftentimes on Instagram, we do put the the most sexy and lush plants up there. But sometimes it's good to just get back to reality and say, actually, you know, this is what's really happening in my house, and uh, that's a, that's a that's a welcome thing. Yeah, I woke up to, um, I have a purple oxalis that's in my bathroom and my smallest cat definitely knocked it over. So there's plants and I'm barefoot and there's dirt everywhere. Um, it was a plastic pot, so there's no glass or anything like that. But like my house plants, the, the ones that look bad are usually not my fault, um, but I don't get mad at the cat because he's, you know, he's just a cat. So, yeah, yeah. This is the thing. Cats and houseplants can be good, good housemates or bad housemates. I don't have a cat. I'm allergic to cats, much to my daughter's disgust. Oh, she no. loves cats. But, um, yeah, I have a dog who generally doesn't cause any any trouble at all uh, with my houseplants. But, yeah, houseplants do get knocked over still. And, um yeah, it's just it's a it's an occupation mostly by me. I have to say, it's mostly me breaking things and, and knocking things down. So, uh, again, you know, life happens, right? Uh, totally. We don't live in in museums or in, you know, Vogue magazine or it's it's real life happening all around us. Which is uh, you just got to roll the punches. Exactly. Okay, so let's work. I'll look at some of these questions I had for you. So you've had a lifelong obsession with houseplants. I was listening to your um, Museum of um, Gardening, Museum of Houseplants interview. I couldn't the Garden remember. Museum. Garden yeah. Museum. That's yeah. what it was. Um, and you talked about how this has been lifelong. What were a couple of the plants that you started with as a kid? Well, I remember having a lovely uh, Calanco digramontiana, which I've probably got that wrong, but it's the mother of thousands succulents. So oh, okay. along the edges of the leaves, there are these tiny plantlets which grow and then when they're ready, drop and root. So you can imagine how messy that plant is. It's popular again now. Uh, but the, you know, this was the early eighties and it was quite, it was one of those plants that tended to be passed around just cause you had a lot of it because right. it was like spider plants or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had, I definitely had quite a few of those and I also had some, some lovely cacti, none of which at the time I really have IDs for. I did have a rat's tail cactus and a peanut cactus, which I really loved. Um, and as I got a bit older, I got, I sort of moved away or moved on from succulents and cacti and, and expanded and started growing things like parlor palms and African violets. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I started to expand my collection very gradually. And this was all done uh, using my Bible at the time, which I so often mention on my show, which is the houseplant expert book by Dr. David G. Heseon. So I was leafing through that as a child and making notes and, and what, looking out for particular plants, uh, and getting very excited when I managed to track them down. You were collecting so, yeah. them like Pokemon. A bit. I, I wasn't a normal child. I mean, I'm not a normal adult. I wasn't a normal child. I really, this was, I mean, I did have the nickname Botany at school and I was 
you know, a strange individual in that most kids are just not interested in this stuff. But it was just fascinating to me. And uh, yeah, and then I suppose I went through a patch in my sort of late teens, early 20s, where I didn't have a lot of houseplants because I was kind of at university and then living in the States. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I kind of got back into it as soon as I came back to the UK and had my own place. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's, it's gone on from there. And of course, now I have a podcast. It's just the worst because every episode leaves me with a big list of new plants that I want to add on. Right. Or you want to research and talk about, but you also secretly want like 20 of them in your house. Oh, (laughs) it's just terrible. It's just really bad. And my husband is now, but he used to be kind of not really noticed when there was another plant. And now he's quite alert to it. And he's like, I wasn't there before. He's on to you. Oh, no. (laughs) He is so on to me. And he's he's quite, he's not that, he's not at all interested in plants, but he does tend to notice now when new things arrive. I try to keep moving them around a lot so so that he doesn't (laughs) notice. But yeah, I say... Yeah, it's work. This is work. You know, he's like, yeah, okay. But yeah, it's, it's great fun. It's great fun. And I have lots of lovely listeners who send me stuff as well. So when I did an episode on the Chinese money plant, Pilea peperomioides, um, and I didn't have one at the time, a lovely listener said, here, I can send you one and sent me one, which is just so sweet. And so that is uh, cool. Yeah, that's really kind. And and that's the wonderful thing about the gardening community more widely in that people are just super generous and super nice. And uh, it's a lovely community to be a part of. Here is my co-host, Dan Hudson. Hello. This is Hi. Jean Perrone, as you know. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, nice to meet you. But Dan, can you give us, you know, like a a 30 second spiel on your background. So she's, yeah. So I majored in ecology and evolutionary biology in college. Um, and then I did about a year of horticulture classes just cause I was kind of into plants. And so I did some like, uh, spent a lot of time in the greenhouse. Um, and then after that, uh, I didn't do anything with house plants or gardening or anything for a while. And then uh, a year or two ago, I started volunteering with the Hennepin County, like the local master gardeners. So, yeah, I, so. I met Dan through some mutual friends and he brews beer. I do. Which I drink. Uh, also, <laughs> my husband brews beer and it was just like to find another plant nerd because it's not like we stick out unless, you know, I yeah. mean, so many times you start talking about plants and people are like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> we hide in plain sight. <laughs> yeah, you're, that's so true. It's so nice when you meet a fellow traveler and you go, oh, you're into plants. And you just kind of can have a little conversation and mm-hmm. swap some cuttings. It's good. It's, it's all good. I love it. And, um, you know, and the great thing about social media is that you get to meet people, some people who turn out to actually be local to you, but lots of people all over the world. And that's a really exciting thing when you find that somebody in dubai is growing the same plant as you that i think that's just so exciting oh yeah i think it's awesome to you know get ideas around arranging plants or arranging gardens and stuff too um i love instagram for plants it's like positive endorphins that i just Mm. scroll through (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's very true it is it's it's a really positive thing and you just get yeah, it gives it gives me a buzz to see people uh, all over the world uh, growing plants. I mean, and it I also makes me deeply jealous because you know I follow quite a lot of people in places like Malaysia and Indonesia, and you just go, mm. oh man, they've just got this incredible outdoor space, yeah. or balcony yeah. with all these house plants growing, and it's just like, oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. But you know, um, I, I try pretty <laughs> that's hard. Life. Do you have any outdoor space that you can? Uh, yeah. You do. Okay. Can you tell us about your outdoor space and then my outdoor space? Yeah. It's a bit of a disgrace, to be honest. I have to say that (laughs) I've been working so hard on this podcast that my garden is a bit of a tip. Although obviously right now, spring blossom makes everything look good, right? So spring spring blossom and tulips are saving me right now. Uh, So I have a garden, um, which is I want to say 80 foot long, but that sounds massive and it's really not that massive. Um, but it's a kind of, in English terms, I would say it's a um, medium sized garden and it, I have a, well, it's a cross between a potting, potting shed and a greenhouse. So it's got a half the roof is glazed and half is wood. That's so cool. I have plants in there in the summer. So a lot of my succulents go out there in the summer and I have a couple of big two by two meter raised beds, which I've just had fixed. And that's where I grow weird 
perennial vegetables. <laughs> Weird perennial uh, vegetables. And I've got some lawn for my dog, and I've got uh, fruit, a couple of fruit trees. It's not that exciting. It's not the most. I just wish I could just spend nine to five Monday to Friday out here and make it look amazing. But you know, that's a that's retirement. That, that's a <laughs> retirement. Yeah, my neighbor's yep. garden is amazing. He's got like a bowling green lawn. I'm like, remember Jane? He's retired. He has right? the time for this yeah. stuff. <laughs> So yeah, that but yelling at the neighbor who just kids. Tears up the lawn, so that's not going to happen for me. I'm about to tear out my front lawn and uh, try and make it like the Avondale Park blooming um, lawn. I found mm-hmm. that online, and I guess it was a project maybe four years ago or something mm. like that. But I've bought about forty different species of seeds, and I'm getting quotes yeah. on ripping it out because we. Ha- I mean, in the Midwest, everyone you know, in a house has a yard. So yeah. it's not like the little tiny concrete car park situation going on all over mm-hmm. the UK. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I'm going to make a terrible mess. That's are, most- you, are you doing this so that you don't have to mow it? Um, it's I'm just doing it because it looks cool. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> anyway, no, I mean, it's a good, it's a good idea. And I think the great thing about growing stuff from seed is that it is adapted to your conditions from day mm-hmm. one. So I yeah. have, the 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 place I'm sitting in right now talking to you is um well it's a used to be a garage we knocked it down and it's now a brick structure which is used as an office and it has a green roof on it and I started oh, out cool. with cool. that green roof with the intention of it being um uh, being I didn't want a, a just a plain sedum green roof which I think is very very boring I wanted to make it more interesting so I put all, all these wildflower plug plants in there. Mm-hmm. It was a very dry spring. They all got pulled up by birds. Ah. I, I cried. <laughs> oh. Then I went away and I grew sedums from seed, which is super easy. And I put some sedums up there and then I, I, I sprinkled a lot of wildflower seed. And it's pretty much looks after itself with no irrigation. Oh, and nice. there's awesome. a lot of chives up there. And there's some, I've put some spring bulbs up there recently and it's, it's great. It's really good. I'm really happy with it. And, uh, it's, it's zero, literally zero maintenance. I go up maybe once a year and do a little bit of weeding out of particularly undesirable things like dandelions, but right. yeah, it looks after itself. Well, that's so. awesome. Is there any chance I can convince you to post a couple of pictures of that? Yeah, I probably, <laughs> I'm sure I've written about it before. I'll have to dig some, I'll dig something out for you. Yeah, sure. I would love that. It, and, uh, yeah, it's I mean, it, the great thing about it is what you have to accept. I'm sure my neighbors look at it and go, oh, my God. You know, like in the summer, it goes brown mm-hmm. because I don't water it. So in, if it's a if it's a dry summer, it will be brown. Uh, but the great thing is that the sedums will a lot of the sedums are incredibly tough. They will usually stay green or some of them might might dry up, but some of them will stay green and then they'll go red at different times and they'll oh, flower cool. at different times. So there's always something interesting going on up there, but it's not like a garden. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like a, yeah. a garden type of environment. It's a kind of yeah, it's got a different vibe, but I really love it. I think it's great. And um it's what I wanted to do was to keep um, well, I've got lots of goldfinches and, and birds in my garden and I wanted to make it an environment where they could go and kind of wander about and find insects and stuff, which and in order to have that, you don't want to have an intensely cultivated yeah. area. You want to have areas where there's actually not that much so that invertebrates can be living. And so that's that was what I was aiming for was a not too intensive system that allows uh, lots of invertebrates to be doing their thing. And and also lots of kind of seeds and everything to be available for the birds and that's worked really well so i'm i'm it's been up, it's been up there about 6 or 7 years now and uh it's great but chives are brilliant i mean the chives are just about to come into flower and every summer you think oh god all the chives have died because it's gone really brown and crispy but every spring they come back and uh yeah they're great well i would like to talk a little bit about your uh weird perennial vegetables because yeah. <laughs> i'm like are you eating oh my God. fiddle leaf yeah. fern figs or something? i don't know like, what are we... well i i i have in the past grown i've had an allotment i wrote a book about allotments so you, do you guys know what allotments are is that yeah yeah community concept? garden okay mm-hmm. yeah oh, okay. Com- so this is what Dan, dan's like <laughs> oh okay yeah i was like no i don't know what that is. <laughs> okay so an allotment they would 
that would be where uh, people could grow food to supplement their families. And they were usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, Jane, but they were usually for like factory workers and their families and people who were immigrating to bigger cities. It was like you get your wages plus you get this piece of land to feed your family from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Historically, they were often uh, owned by or rented rather um, either from the local council or from an organization like a, a, a business or a, the church as well, rented a lot, or even the railway lines had land along the side of the railway lines, which they would rent out. Oh. And you'd pay a small amount for either usually a 10 pole plot, which don't ask me what that trans It's about the size of a tent for, uh, it's a measurement, the pole or the rod is a measurement i know crazy english people well and, i mean um, you know so like, a full plot would be 10 poles and you'd rent that out and you you basically used it to grow fruit and veg these days now that we're all into growing our own it's all very trendy and you know it's not just kind of working class people it's anybody mm-hmm. who can have an allotment okay. and uh you know all human life is there from the people who you know get somebody in specially to like build their allotment for them and pay a fortune but it's more about generally about make do and mend about you know recycling stuff and spending as little money as possible and it's great fun and i loved having an allotment but it's a lot of work and once i had children and had a bigger garden it just wasn't working for me anymore Mm -hmm. so i gave that up uh but so i have gone to i mean i i'm a this is the first year in God knows about 15 years that I haven't sown tomato seeds oh, wow. or chili chili seeds. But I just got to the realization that actually, A, I can't do it all. And B, yeah. I just end up with too many plants, which I just can't take care of. Yeah. So I haven't done that this year. But normally I'd be doing I'd be doing all that kind of thing. I think instead I'm just going to buy or, or swap a couple of seedlings uh, in about a month and then have them growing outside. But what I've discovered is that there are loads of alternatives to annual vegetables that you can grow that are perennial. Okay. So, for example, I don't grow any onions or spring onions, but I grow lots of other perennial onions. Okay. Um, there's uh, Which you can use for all the things that you would use conventional onions for. So they're... Um, Obviously, chives I've already mentioned just mm-hmm. part of the onion family. There's something called garlic chives, which are garlicky. Oh, sure. yep. um, there are um, so many members of the allium family you can grow. There's a fantastic one called the Egyptian walking onion. Have you come across oh, that yeah. one? Yeah, mm-hmm. my parents. That's a really that. fun one, yeah. um, which has got little grows little bulbils at the end of the stem, which then, as the, that grows and gets heavier, drop down onto the soil and create a new plant. Also, Welsh onions. I love Welsh onions, which I use as like spring onions. Um, There are many onions are plenty. And then the other one that I really love is perennial kale. So everyone's nuts for kale, but I find the kale that you buy in the supermarket is yuck, Hmm. is really bitter and hard and horrible. Um, (laughs) Are you listening? Whole foods. We are not pleased. (laughs) No, I'm not pleased with that. So I, but you know how many people I've converted to kale by giving them baby leaves of my perennial kale is is amazing so i grow a variety called dorbenton kale which i don't know if you can get that in the u.s it's it's a perennial kale and it just comes back year after year it it's a short-lived perennial so you have to take some cuttings but it takes cuttings incredibly easily and um you i've also got a variegated one which has got um, cream on the leaves which is lovely and so i just use that and it comes i gets mon i don't net them they get monstered by um caterpillars every uh mm. summer and autumn and then they just come back so they get very little attention but they're brilliant and um and the other any one clue, I really love, any clue any clue how cold they can my, get like what's sorry, their cold hardiness there for a minute I was checking to see if you knew how cold hardy your perennial oh, kale are. Oh, very hard, cold hardy. Okay. Like, I mean, you know, snow minus 10, I'm sure would be no problem. I don't know how cold it is where you are. Celsius or Fahrenheit? <laughs> okay. You're Fahrenheit. Um, this is where I fall down. I reckon, I'll have to look this up for you guys, but I reckon it would definitely be worth a go. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm getting trying, distracted yeah. here because it's gone dark now and I can see it's a really clear <laughs> night and there's loads of bats flying out. Oh, cool. Ooh. Very cool. So I like seeing the bats outside. I'm distracted by that now. Um, <laughs> so the Tormenton kale is really good. There's another one called um, Jersey walking stick, which you can grow as a perennial, which hmm. is not is often grown as an annual, but you can grow as a perennial, which 
Also, you can make walking sticks out of. How awesome is that? Right. Um, <laughs> perennial perennial um, uh, cauliflower called Nine Star, which is again awesome and i'm just about to harvest ahead of that which is very exciting so there's all these things you can grow which once you've sown them you'll either they'll either last forever or they'll see themselves around or you might have to take some cuttings but basically you don't have to keep sowing them which is is great for anyone who's kind of time pressed the other one that i absolutely go nuts about and tell people about all the time is something called good king henry Chenopodium bonum henricum. What a Latin name is that? This is um, an ancient pot herb brought to the UK by the Romans. And it is, so it's, it's often a weed, but you can buy it and grow it in your garden. It's got an incredibly deep tap root. And people will often say, oh, no, that's so bitter and horrible. I hate it. But there's a little secret which I got from a fellow garden writer called Alice Fowler, mm-hmm. who is the guardian. I've seen her shows. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who, so she, she basically said to me, what you need to do, because I was complaining about how bitter it was. And she said, what you need to do is you need to copy Mediterranean women of old who will take he will any bitter leaf they'll pick it and then they'll put it into a big bowl of heavily heavily salted water for about an hour or two oh okay and if you do this with with um with good king henry it changes the leaves from bitter to the best tasting leaf you have ever eaten if you like greens it's just incredible amazing flavor so that's really cool yeah and it's really nutritious as well so i don't grow spinach i grow that and i grow things like sorrel and um uh also the the dreaded ground elder as well is really nice Hmm. uh, as a green and dandelions and i also grow a couple of um well they're kind of perennialized um I don't know if they're radicchios or, or chicories, which look like dandelions but aren't. Right. Um, so, yeah, th- th- I try to sort of get lots of greens um, to grow that way rather than growing annual stuff, which I just don't have really have time for. But, yeah, Chenopodium bonum hemericum. That's that's my top tip. <laughs> you get that, everybody? Bonum hemericum. There we go. <laughs> oh, no. That it's, sounds it's really bizarre. interesting. It's really good. It's really, really good. If you like like a nutty green... Mm-hmm. I know you guys are into your greens over there, aren't Absolutely. you? You guys are big on greens. You, you'd appreciate this. It's really good. Awesome. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try a few of these out. I have um, about four raised beds that are, you know, eight feet long by four feet wide, or whichever way you're supposed to say the measurements. I'm not. A, I'm not an engineer. Um, but I do. I'll do uh, like amaranth giant amaranth with the really mm. red leaves and the huge oh, floppy yeah. heads and yeah. their their skeletons are still in my garden right now because <laughs> we just finally thawed out like we don't even have tulips blooming yet this has been oh, yeah, still my heart snow. goes out to you this cause... has been like three winters in a row <laughs> instead of just one winter it's been six months of winter so and do you get people over there who I want to strangle over here who say oh yeah I really love winter oh it's great winter isn't it i love and you i just want to slap her <laughs> and say, what are you talking about you know i feel like there's a few people who get excited about it uh, but they're usually just like christmas heads that want to oh, you know or skiers or skiers what yeah is to be, what is to be said for winter nothing <laughs> well, no, there are something nice things about winter but it just goes on way too long and yeah. especially this year i mean we're we're kind of out of it now it's been lovely and hot and sunny here um but unseasonably so in fact but but yeah, hmm. I, I just people who revel in winter just really annoy me. But um, yeah, I, I can't wait for spring. Well, I mean, I'm very unsympathetic to the winter. <laughs> I think they're people who never go outside in winter who just kind of hibernate. And it's like, yeah. I've got a dog. I have to go out every single day in the dark and the cold walking this dog. And, you know. It's just, yeah, I it's I want it, the winter to be over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's the Sorry. worst time. I've, got, of... I've ranted there about winter. But, no, it's um, totally fine. I don't know why I'm ranting because you've got way more of an issue than I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a lot colder here, probably a lot longer, but I'll bet you guys have a lot less daylight than we do. Oh, yeah. Because you're a lot further north. Oh, uh, yeah. 
quite possibly true. Quite possibly right. true. Yeah, it swings in roundabouts, isn't it? And there are some, you know, if it wasn't for co- long, cold winters, then we wouldn't have certain things that we have, uh, you know, the the climate, the, the, wet, the joy of spring is greater when you've had... That's true. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> when, when you've I, been I deprived of vitamin D yep. and sunlight and yeah. exercise, you know, you're like, oh my god, life, life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I, when I lived in Louisiana when I was doing my master's degree, it, I mean, apart from the months of summer, it was really pleasant all year round, and it was lovely. But you didn't have that thrill of excitement when suddenly it warmed up because it was kind of always relatively warm. Um, so yeah, I can see the advantage of of it. I, I can say that now that it's spring, but I wouldn't be saying that two months ago. <laughs> So um, I didn't so, yeah. know you were in Louisiana. Where did you get your master's? Baton Rouge, oh. Louisiana State University. I was oh, okay. uh, did my master's degree there. So awesome. that was fun. I went, to, uh, I went to Tulane in New Orleans okay. for my undergrad. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in New Orleans because I had friends who were from there. And um, I loved it. Oh, yeah, I had a great time just yeah. basically eating all the food all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I just really still miss crawfish boils and things oh, like yeah. that. I mean, I am mainly about food and I, <laughs> apart from house pot, and I just really miss some of the food, the amazing food. And unlike other cuisines, it's not a cuisine that you ever see outside. That's true. That state. I mean, if I saw a Louisiana cuisine restaurant in, or a Cajun restaurant in the UK, I would run a mile, right? Cause that would be <laughs> terrible. That's hilarious. Um, we're from, we're from the part of, the United States who, that is famous for walleye um, and casseroles involving creamy soup. And you got to call them a hot dish unless you're in one of the neighboring states. It's a casserole and What's people will walleye? fight. Walleye What's is a walleye? fish. Um, it's a fish. It is lake fish, freshwater fish. Yeah, it's yeah. a freshwater okay. fish and it is a predator species. So it gets a little bit higher in mercury than... <laughs> It's probably not good right. to eat, but we do anyway. Are you selling it to me here? Uh, is it, <laughs> taste not, does it taste muddy? It no, taste no, no, no. It's not a bottom feeder. It's it's a hunter, and it okay. lives in really okay, cold, good. clean waters, and it's all over Canada and uh, a lot of the United States. But it's it's a wonderful fish, and I mean, what kind of fish doesn't taste good covered in, like, cornbread crumbs and, and yeah. pan fried and yeah we've got a lot right. there's a pretty big like sportsman culture here for like hunting and fishing, fishing it's pretty big up here yeah, yeah it yeah. like very very common for people around here to have lots of hunting guns and fishing poles right it's that's interesting because here in the uk um there's lots of people who fish but the tradition is that people generally don't fish sorry don't eat the fish that they've caught and mm. you know now we've, we've got a lot of eastern europeans here and it's so fascinating when you you always can tell an eastern european fisherman <laughs> because whereas the british fishermen will literally set up with the tons of gear they have absolutely tons of gear they'll set up in one spot on the river and that's where they stay eastern european fishermen they'll be they'll have hard, they'll have a, like a rod and that's it and they'll be mo- they'll be moving along they'll stay in one spot for a few minutes then they'll move and it's so interesting the different cultures that that um occur between different kinds of fishermen and they eat the fish they catch like they will you know think uh, f- river fish they will they will be pi- uh, um fishing them to eat whereas uh in british fishermen will just throw them back in so this yeah it's an interesting one there's not a big um big hunting tradition here i remember being totally shocked in louisiana by like people with like deer strapped to the top of their <laughs> <laughs> my What's mom <laughs> okay so a funny story of little caroline who is like i don't know four or five i'm in the car with my mom and we go to the supermarket And uh, there's a truck and they have this deer strapped against the hood of the truck. And my mom's like, oh, Caroline, uh, how does that make you feel? And I'm like, I feel like they should stick it in the back. Like they can't see out the front. What are they doing? Like unfazed. (laughs) (laughs) Like my mom had tried so hard to be sensitive about Disney stuff and went through this like Bambi book and sharpied out with black marker like crossed out all this stuff where the mom gets killed and that there's hunters and stuff. (laughs) And my dad is a hunter and we do eat awesome jerky. He's so good at making jerky. He's got a great recipe, Mm -hmm. but like it's just so common to the Midwest culture to see animals carcasses strapped to vehicles. (laughs) (laughs) 
in the fall especially like okay <laughs> see i mean i can see i can see that but that you know like if you did that in this country like people would be people would go nuts like you'd have you'd have people just phoning the police and yeah it would be big trouble well big it's, trouble, it's but, not well, like no. you know i mean it's always just deer i mean it's never any other animals like there's not right, bears right. and stuff like that yeah well that's not to say that there isn't hunting i mean you know until until fairly recently fox hunting was still permitted and there is a mm. kind of fox hunting that still happens um and foxes do get killed but you know as is, I guess, often the case with British people, it's all kind of like in a weird. It's a weird subculture with its own very specific ideas. It's it's nothing like it's yeah. It's a different different kind I, of uh, I get deal. It. But we're, we're yeah, dealing it's, with it's, um... it's interesting, isn't it? And um, you know, over here, um, foraging for things which can involve animals is is very popular, and I understand it's very popular in the U.S. too. And in fact, I was inspired yeah. by the U.S. Uh, writer Yule Gibbons. Do you know this book, this guy? Um, With his book? I don't. The Hunt the Hunt for the Wild Asparagus. Uh, and and that really inspired me to take up um, foraging. And I do a lot of foraging in my own garden. This is going back to the uh, perennial veg point in that mm-hmm. there are loads of things that we grow in our gardens that are we don't realise are edible that are edible, be it weeds, but also ornamental mm-hmm. plants which you can eat. So... Um, you know, like fuchsia berries and Solomon's seal um, oh, sprouts really? and things like that that I like to kind of snack on as much as I can and freak out my neighbours. She's eating weeds again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I heard you can eat actually hosta shoots the way mm. that you would eat asparagus hmm. before if they I unfurl. If I was able to allow, have hostas growing in my garden that were not destroyed by slugs, I would try that out. <laughs> That, I swear that's the only thing in everybody's yard is a hosta here. Like Minnesota gets daylilies and hostas everywhere and nobody yeah. eats them. I eat daylily petals because they're so good. In Vermont, oh, fiddleheads, yeah. baby ferns. Baby huge. fiddleheads are yeah. big in Vermont? Yeah, okay. huge there. Yeah, Randy spent a, a time in Vermont, so... Okay. No other place, but they love baby ferns. <laughs> baby ferns. <laughs> yeah, no, I've not tried those. I've not tried those. I mean, you know, like I do... There are a few lawn weeds that are really good. Like there's one here called Hairy Bittercrest, which is not a great name. Uh, it's not hairy and it's not bitter. Why is it that r- names are just so wrong? Anyway, Hairy Bittercrest uh, is very good. Cardamine Hirsuta, which tastes a bit like um, a mild watercress. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I, I don't know if you have that over there. Um, I'm not sure. We got a lot of... Yeah. Uh, a lot of weeds, but that, that's a good one. And also, um, I grow garlic mustard, uh, which oh, I think sure. actually somebody was telling me um, from another podcast that that's really invasive over there yeah. where you are. I think so it's illegal actually here. <laughs> yeah. Garlic mustard is awesome. I you know deliberately brought it into my garden because it's a nice spring green. But um, yeah, I think it, that's probably um, not something to recommend to well, US well, listeners. Can... But uh, it's like recommending people grow... Um, Oh, my mind's gone blank. Skunk um, cabbage. Not weed. Japanese not weed. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, like, we have that. We that. have a little bit of a problem. I mean, it's on the, the list of no-nos. Um, mm. But, yeah, that stuff is crazy. I've seen it just destroy neighbors' yards and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty serious here. But you can eat the stems of that like rhubarb. You just have to make sure that you haven't it hasn't been like attacked with weed killer the day before which is oh. obviously mm, a this tastes spicy like glyphosate mm. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so you have to stick to your foraging rules which is why you know foraging in your own garden is a great place to start because you know exactly what animals have weed against it you know like what what things have been sprayed or not sprayed yeah. etc yeah. so that's a good a good uh, place to start um which i always recommend to people if they have uh, an outside space yeah we're i'm i'm trying to figure out if i want to how i want to do my front yard and i'm like oh i'm gonna put so many herbs and stuff in there and i was like you know i'm gonna want to be probably at least two feet from the sidewalk where everyone's walking their dogs for anything i think i'm gonna eat yeah you know i've, I've always had this idea that i really i still want to see implemented but like i imagine like an entire front yard that's all like rosemary Really, I want to. I just want to like walk past that house and like smell the 
fragrance. Well, so, yeah. I know I've seen that they can do all chamomile yards, and I know that you've uh, brewed sure, a chamomile sure. beer before. That's Dan. true, I have. And it was very delicious. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. Although chamomile tea, what people drink that stuff? <laughs> chamomile tea is like cat weed. Yeah. My mum, my mum, mum comes to stay, I'm like, oh God, I've got to get the cat weed tea in because my mum really likes it. But it's horrendous stuff. It's horrendous. I thought it was Sorry. calming and it was. I think there's, I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot, but as far as tea goes, there's much better to be had. Yeah. I mean, like a mint, fresh mint tea. Oh my God. It, that can be amazing. Yeah. I grow about, you know, a 10 types of mint and everyone's different and everyone makes a great cup of tea. Oh. But. The chamomile is just really awful. So I have a lot of mint growing indoors right now, mm-hmm. but I've never made tea, yep. tea out of it. What? How? So how do you go about doing that? What's your tea recipe? It's very high tech. You just <laughs> literally <laughs> you snip off you snip off some leaves as uh, as l- many or as few as you as you see fit, and you pour boiling water over them and you drink it. <laughs> that might be too complex for me. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> All you need to do, you don't need any, like, of these stewing devices. Forget all that. The only thing that you need to do if, I mean, not probably not if it's in the house, but if it's outside is, and I always forget to do this, and I end up with all kinds of grit and stuff and insects floating around, is just, um, like, soak it in some water. You're, for a you're few not minutes selling this. To... You're not selling this. <laughs> soak it in some water for a few minutes just to let any bugs float off. Sure. Uh, and in fact, actually, again, going back to my point about soaking stuff in salty water, actually, yeah. that is a really good thing to recommend to do with anything that you pick in the garden that is that you're bringing in that might have bugs on it. Salty water just gets rid of a lot more than regular water. Oh, okay. And then just rinse it off. Tip. And then then you can pour your boiling water over it. And, oh, it's such a nice cup of tea. It's very good for you. Oh, that's awesome. Mint tea. Yeah, really good. And lemon balm as well. Lemon balm. Uh, not lemon oh, yeah. balm. Lemon verbena. Sorry. Mm, okay. Uh, lemon, lemon balm is, is not so good. But lemon Lemon verbena tea is uh, amazing. I keep trying to use lemon balm. I love the yeah, way it smells. Too. Yeah. It smells like yeah, a but cereal it called like Fruity Pebbles. Cleaner. <laughs> it smells like it cleaner. That's the trouble with lemon balm. Although I've got lime balm actually in my garden, which is um, nicer, tastes nicer, and is a bit less invasive. So that's a, a little a little oh, tip there. But Pro yeah, tip, lemon balm is just, it smells really nice. You're right. But then you go and taste it and it's just like sticking your head in a freshly clean <laughs> toilet. <laughs> how, how often have you done Horrible. that, Jane? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm not I, judging. I like to hold back. I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. You're giving me so many ideas and so many different things I'm yeah. going to have to look into. Yeah. I'm getting like plant ADD over here, like I writing know, things down. I know. Well, exciting. you know, that's 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 inspiration is is half the battle, right? So, um, yeah, uh, th- I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, as I say, my garden is a mess, but every time <laughs> I go out in it, there's some. Even like in the depths of winter, there is something out there that I can be interested in. Something I can pick. Something I can look at. And that's an amazing thing. I'm just waiting for my quince to uh, flower because it's a bit later than everything else. And that's a really lovely pink blossom. Uh, and that's an exciting, another exciting landmark moment. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. And my husband always knows if I've been out in the garden because I'll be a bit more chilled out, a bit less manic than usual. <laughs> sign, sign that I've actually had some garden time. Sometimes he just sends me out there, get out in the garden before you drive us all nuts. Yeah. <laughs> You're kicked out. Don't come back for yeah. half an hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do um, you? So I, I really enjoy, enjoy that time, and it's uh, it's it's good for the it's good for the soul. I mean, you know, like I mean, I'm not talking about things like pressure washing the patio. That is just. <laughs> That's I'm, work. I'm saying that because that's on my list of jobs to do. But um, yeah, that's just. Although, I I mean, I, what do you guys wear for gardening? I have got hmm. this. Last year I bought these and I have to say it's the best thing ever. I bought myself some overalls, like mechanics overalls. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, they're, they're made by a company called Dickies. Do you have Dickies? Oh, in absolutely. Yeah. Dickies actually when, yeah. when we were in high school in the very early 2000s, Dickies were the posh thing to wear. You were <laughs> hey, like right. 
You were a well, punk I'm, rocker so in your stripy dickies. Overalls, and they are so good. And you know what? I've also discovered that I love walking around town in them because pe- <laughs> it's, I, I love walking around in overalls because everyone looks at you in a completely different way when you're wearing overalls. <laughs> I've just discovered this. It's awesome. So, I, yeah, if I can get my overalls on and go out and turn my compost heap and then I might think, oh, I need to go out and get some more compost. I'm going to go to the garden center in my overalls. That's just a total win yeah absolutely uh i wear my favorite outside stuff to wear is like a huge big floppy hat just because i'm trying to you know keep my face not get sunburned right but uh normally it's just jeans and a t-shirt and you know whatever do you not find that the place that gets sunburned this is where the overalls come in uh, is is the place that gets uh sunburn is what I call the gardener's triangle which is, <laughs> which is <laughs> you, your top rides up at the back and jeans fall yeah. down a bit and there's this area that gets sunburned the plumber's crack any suntan lotion on because you didn't think it was going to get exposed right I just so, wear yeah. a longer shirt I think I don't know um, well I mean I'm, sometimes I'll put on like a I'll steal one of my husband's like plaid shirts and throw it on over the top because there's some vegetables yeah. that when you try to harvest them and you're playing with the leaves you can get kind of a rash I think radishes yeah. are like that so mm. sometimes I have a long sleeve thing I throw on over the top yeah. but. I feel like I'm See, I'm just very sensitive to it uh, I, I just so ad- I'm constantly adjusting my, my pants and my shirt because I feel I feel the sun you on know, your starting triangle? to sizzle on my triangle. Yeah, <laughs> and then I kind of whoop, whoop, hike up my pants a little bit. Also, I you know, so in Minnesota, it's we're we're a bunch of very fair skinned people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, there's definitely more diversity within the Twin Cities, which is great. But I mean, poor we're Dan over pale. here is a ginger, so he's I have, a I have pretty bad uh, skin. Yeah, with blue eyes, <laughs> so he's just like <laughs> yeah. I, I sunburn in about ten minutes. You're gonna live yeah, to forty-five. My children are like that. My children are both very fair, and they 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 burn very easily. They haven't picked up my coloring so much as my husband. So yeah, they they have to be very careful. And you know, it's easy, especially you know, we've had like twenty-five degrees centigrade. Which don't ask me what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's hot anyway. And, um, Seventy. I want to say seventy something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably I'm, like that. I know uh, conversion. I can't do, but body. but it was really really hot, and we all got burnt a little bit burnt because we just weren't expecting it to be that warm. So yeah, yeah. So you just you got to acclimatize. Which we, brings me on to the subject of my current shame, which is the fact <laughs> that I stupidly put my um, Alo Argavoides into um, a sun sunny spot from it, when it was inside the house, and then it went outside into a sunny spot and I uh, burned you roasted it oh no <laughs> so yeah that's like a succulent 101 mistake but it just shows you that you know all of us make make mistakes and it's 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 just one of those things but yeah I was just kicking myself because it was you, a silly thing to do you and just, I just reminded didn't... me to text my husband to please bring the plants that I set out on the front steps please bring them in I forgot to. <laughs> yeah yeah I I don't know I have a collection of half dilapidated plants that are just waiting to get outside because once I get my house plants outside, you know, in the shade, if it's kind of an indirect light plant or mm. right in the driveway, if it's one of my succulents that love that kind of abusive, uh, environment, yeah. they just look so much better. Do you have any, mm. do you have any plants that you move inside and outside according to the season? And do you have any yeah. tips on, on what to do to summer your plants outside? Yeah, I will. I do do that with a lot of succulents. And normally, as I say, I'm more careful in terms of making sure that they gradually acclimatize and get kind of hardened off to the sunlight. Um, So a lot of my succulents go outside in the summer. And then you come to that moment in the autumn where you think, oh, my God, where are these all going to (laughs) go? So, they, yeah, they either go outside in a sort of a sheltered spot where they're not kind of getting rained on all the time or they go into my greenhouse um, so they can kind of stay not, not too wet. Um, and that that does help a lot with the house plant load. And I'll probably put, now I've got a fancy schmancy uh, plant stand, I'll probably put um, some ferns outside this year in a, in a shady spot. But I don't move an awful lot of stuff outside just because slugs. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't have that. Problem. I mean, yes, we get and slugs, snails. but just not that many. And we yeah. don't get, we have snails in our lakes and rivers but not really like terrestrial snails here you see them here here and there but not many yeah 
Yeah, and oh, they're little tiny guys. They're not like the big old banana slugs that Alan Tixmarsh is trying to fight. Like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, we've got the Spanish slug, Arion vulgaris, which is like um, cannibalistic. It eats other slugs. It eats, <laughs> oh, oh, wow. it eats dog feces. Oh, I need. Um, I'm. I'll take a dozen. <laughs> it's really quite revolting. So that's a real pest, and it's and. The difficulty with slugs in this country is there are lots of slugs that don't actually eat. Uh, they, they decaying plant material, not uh-huh. not living plant material. But they're really quite hard to identify uh, and separate out which is which. And the only way that you can do that is by dissecting one and looking at its sexual organs, which personally I'm not really up for. So it's it's difficult because you see a slug and you think, are you friend or foe? And you just, I don't know. I don't know whether to kill you or not. So yeah, it's a problem. Thanks for listening to Verdant North. Find our blog posts online at at verdantnorth.net. You can find us on Twitter at Verdant North. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Verdant North. If you want to contact us but hate social media, you can email us at verdantnorthteam at gmail.com. That's verdantnorth.com team at gmail.com spelled as it sounds all lowercase you can hear this podcast through soundcloud itunes stitcher or google play music don't forget to like rate comment and share the podcast the more likes ratings comments we receive the more visible this podcast becomes we don't pay for advertising and we don't have any networks backing us this is all us so sharing our show with your friends and family is the only way we get heard if you like what you're listening to and you know feel like you want to contribute, since we don't have anybody who's advertising or part of any network, you can definitely donate to us at coffee.com slash North. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash North. It's a way you can contribute uh, three bucks at a time if you feel like uh, we earn that place in your wallet. Um, hopefully that you're having fun and that you want to support what we do here. Any little bit helps contribute to paying for the hosting, to drinks from uh, Nikki, all these wonderful things. Uh, any little bit helps. You can find Caroline Holstrom on Twitter at, at Miss O-Line. That's Miss Zero Line. You can find Dan Hanson on Twitter at, at Verdant Dan. And you can find our guest Jane Perrone on Twitter at, at Jane Perrone and on her podcast On The Ledge through your trusted podcast service. You can find me on Twitter at Marlon underscore Rando. You can also hear me on the Scattered Podcast, also available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Extra special thanks to Brietta Stead and Dewey Vu for graphics and artwork, and an extra big thanks to our webmaster, Cora Hartung, for making sure we exist on the web. As always, a thanks to Minneapolis band Volcanus for allowing us to use their tunes. Follow their hilarious video blog project on YouTube and listen to them in arch-rival band Prozac Rat on Bandcamp, YouTube, and find them on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and always remember, it's okay to kill plants. Hello, my name is Jane Perrone, and I'm the host of a podcast called On The Ledge. If you've ever wondered where you've gone wrong with that spider plant that's turning yellow or despaired over your dead Venus flytrap, then this is where my podcast comes in because On Ledge is all about houseplants, indoor gardening, how you can keep your plants alive inside. I've been obsessed with houseplants since I was a little kid, but there's still loads for me to learn. So come along and learn with me. I talk to the experts, help to answer your houseplant problems and struggle over Latin names. On The Ledge is available on all good pod apps and you can check out my website at janeperone.com.